You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. Tis I, Russ the Kinky, Xbox Live Toaster 360, and he's Steve the Stinky, Xbox Live Steve Image. And we embark on a brotastic adventure in episode 163 today, March 7th, 2020. We're going to be catching up with each other before we go into our topic of the day, which is our movie review of Onward by Disney and Pixar. Steve, how are you doing? Good, sir. You know, Ross, uh, doing okay. I, um, it's been a little, I, I haven't, I haven't watched as many movies lately. Um, She's still trying to figure out the Wi-Fi issue over here. And, uh, of course, that means the streaming issue as well. So we're trying to freaking figure it out. And uh, it's kind of a pain in the old booty, if you know what I mean. The, the, the B-O-O-T-Y. Um, so, but what about gaming, though? Have you been able to play any games? Well, Russ, uh, you cut me off. I was just about to uh, tell you. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. No, no need to get testy on me there, Steve. Go, please do. Go ahead. Go into it. I have beaten finally Star Wars. Uh, I actually beat it uh, after we podcasted uh, last week, Russ. Oh, you were feeling saucy and you decided to give it another go? I did. And a matter of fact, I thought it was rather easy at the end. I, th- I thought all the other bosses before the last boss were quite, uh, quite difficult. And this last boss was uh, quite simple, Russ. Well, I am impressed because I actually struggled a bit with the second sister's uh, encore performance, if you will. Well, Russ, I will tell you that I also ended the game with three skills of the skill tree uncompleted. Oh. But, I remember you telling that earlier, but I also went back and I was trying to figure out places that I hadn't yet explored in the game, and I've pretty much explored everything. But it's interesting because there's still there's there are still some areas that are like red, like unavailable, even though I've completed the game and can try to go back to see what's what. There's some areas that that I that it's not gonna let me explore. I'm like, I'm done with the game. Can I see what's behind door number one, please? Well, that's but, probably because uh, you have certain skills that are not yet unlocked. Well, not really, because like I will, I think one of the skills I, I didn't unlock was the, like when he tosses his lightsaber, like you could toss it a little extra far. Uh-huh. And and so I never used that skill. Uh, I mean, I did every once in a great while, but I just didn't really think it was that effective. So I didn't focus on unlocking that skill. I unlocked other stuff. Uh, so, or I think the, the other skill was like, uh, don't, there, there's a, oh, there's a overhead stronger slash that you could do. And then you hit triangle again and he'll do a second slash after that one. I didn't use that that often. And so, um, I just didn't think it was a skill that I wanted to get. So I think that was the second one. I forgot what the third one was, but, um, I just don't think I, you know, throughout the game, you're not using too much of those skills to progress to areas you haven't explored yet. So I thought, well, I, I, I just don't think that's the case. It might be. Kind of doubt it, though. It's um, been a while since I played the game, so I'm a little rusty on the memories of that sort of thing. I will venture a guess, though, and say that when it comes to the whole throwing the lightsaber thing, I want to say there is something that that uh, is connected to that. 
because I do recall there being something where like like there's like a chasm or something and you'd have to throw it in order to like 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 I don't know slice a vine that then becomes available and then you can swing across said chasm or something like that. Mm, I don't know about that. And you had but, your first pull, right? Uh, yeah, Russ, I got all the. I think yeah, okay. I think you have to finish the game knowing all the force stuff. Okay. Um. So I actually, you know what? No, that was the third one. That was the third one. So I have force pull, but I think you can enhance the skill and say, oh, you can you can pull larger groups of enemies towards you. Um. I think that was the third one that I unlocked because I I did force pull, but it was only towards like one enemy every once in a while. I just didn't see the need to pull. Um, everybody towards me. So uh, I think that was the third one <laughs> you, that I didn't unlock. You didn't want to pull everybody towards you for a nice big hug. No, nice big group hug. No, no. Not a nice big bear hug and force squeeze them all. <laughs> Man, It was one of the more satisfying things for me personally. I really liked being able to force pull a hapless stormtrooper my way before impaling them upon the lightsaber of righteousness. Yes. <laughs> Was very satisfying. So I, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say. So then, um, I figured I would. I was like, "What well, am I gonna play now?" I have the Outer Worlds. Still, I still have yet to to finish, and I still have. Uh, what, what is it? Um, oh, the the big uh, the big dude with the red stripes on him, God of War. I still have yet to finish. <laughs> the guy with the face paint. Uh, what is his name? He was he was at a birthday party. He came home, had some red on his face. He's always upset at his kid for some reason or another. Doesn't want to be talked to. The guy who's in that game. Um, so that has actually been going very well. I, I was getting a bit, up, bit upset uh, before when I was playing. And I think because uh, I was using the axe too much and the enemies were counterattacking me so easily because of his him swinging the axe kind of, kind of slow. And so I have switched up to uh, hand-to-hand combat using a little thunder on my left, lightning on my right, and uh, beating the old enemies uh, bare-knuckle style, and that's been going well for me, Russ, even with the big baddie bosses. So that, that the game has become quite simpler since I Nothing like a these. classic knuckle sandwich to settle the score. Exactly. Is that what you're saying there, Steve? Exactly. Exactly. Although uh-huh. I wish there were a few more, um, I guess they call them executions, but like if you stun an enemy, he's like, I'm pretty much almost dead. Uh, I would like to have the choice <laughs> or doing some different moves than the, other than the same move every single time. Because sometimes there's like five or six enemies and you're all just you know doing mass combat. And then if you choose the, the execution, it's like, okay, this is the last move again. Oh, this guy too? Same move. Oh, number three guy? Same move. Oh, number four guy? Same move. Fifth guy? Same move. You know, and I'm like, eh, let me just keep, let me have a choice. Let me do something a little bit different, you know? So, anyhow, that's my one little criticism. But otherwise, uh, beautiful game. Uh, I like the sound too. I mean, I'm, I'm right at the area where um, uh, the, the witch, uh, who was actually a good witch, uh, gets taken and then ah, she yes. kind of magic magically does some sort of string on Atreus's bow, but he can't use it yet. But we're fighting like these little dark elves with the wings and stuff, and um, and we're figuring out how to make light bridges. And ah, I yes. like the sound. The sound when you walk across the bridge is pretty awesome. I like that a lot. Uh, I'm glad so. that you're finally making your way through that game because. That is an excellent game. It it really yeah. is a masterpiece. Uh, the farther that, that you get, you just realize more and more. You're just 
you're dumbfounded by the production values of that game, which is cool. Uh, yeah. Better late than never, I say. Right. So basically, I mean, that's what's been going on with me until we get the movie situation under control. <laughs> uh, anyhow, what's going on with you? Well, you know, I'm sorry to hear that your movie adventures have been put on temporary hold. But I must say, Steve, I am glad to hear that you have returned triumphantly to gaming because uh, you know you haven't played games in a while. It's been several weeks where I have not heard any type of uh, progress regarding the games. And going back to the Jedi Fallen Order, did you actually beat the uh, Fallen Sister... Like just one playthrough and you and you beat her? Uh no, it wasn't one playthrough. I think it was like the uh the second, maybe the third, but no more than three attempts and I got her. Well, color me impressed because it took me several times trying to figure out just, just how to get past her moveset. And uh, I man, I, I it took me at least ten times. So I'm glad that that you did not have as much of a a time with her. And just let me ask you, Steve, was that ending just not the most satisfying ending when Darth Vader comes out? I no, that was awesome. Actually, you know what? I knew he was going to come out now, not because I knew uh, I'd see him sooner or later, but because somebody had already spoiled it on YouTube. And I didn't spoil it. I was just flipping through. No, okay. no, 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 no. wasn't even you. I Somehow it appeared in my feed. Uh, I, I guess, um, I don't know. I, I've been, I don't know. Maybe it was, my phone just heard me talking about so much Star Wars. It brought it up. Who knows? It's like, would you like but to look at this? Was, How about that? I was, yeah, I was flicking through videos and then it said, oh, uh, the crowd's reaction to when Star, when, when Darth Vader comes. It was just the title of the video. Oh, oh the lame. crowd's reaction when, when, when Darth Vader comes out in Star Wars Jedi Fall, Jedi Fall in Order. I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. And like, I didn't even watch the video. Like, it just like that, that was the spoiler from just the title. And so, um, I, I knew he was going to come out and I knew I was getting towards the end of the game. And so when uh, I started fighting the, the second sister again, I'm like, okay, this is probably the last bit and this is where he has to come out. And so he came out and I'm like, yep, I knew it. No surprise. I love seeing him. I mean, he's one of my favorite villains of all time. Um, <laughs> my credit card even has Darth Vader on it for crying out loud. So, uh, <laughs> um, so <laughs> anyhow, I, I, that was a big, surprise removal from me, but either way, I still like seeing him. Well, yeah, I'm sorry that that got robbed from you because it is such a huge payoff. And I had a, a kind of a similar situation where I was looking at, I think it was on YouTube. I think YouTube is guilty of really giving spoilers left and right, but I was, it, it wasn't a video itself, but I was reading comments from, something it had to do with the, the game or whatever. And someone had kind of like popped off and said something that regarding Darth Vader. And I instantly just stopped reading comments. I'm thinking, okay, I feel like this is getting a little too close to spoiler territory. And, um, it turned out that that was the case. So it, it was, it was like a, like a half way there spoiler in the sense that like I had read enough to, to like, lead me to believe that that maybe like Darth Vader was going to have an appearance in the game. I don't know. Despite that, I absolutely loved that entire sequence of, of him coming out and seeing the look of absolute terror on her face as she's standing there realizing who's behind her. And, 
you know, having her come full circle and, and being in the process of redeeming herself and coming back to the light side. And I, to me, it, it was so well done in terms of the persona of who Darth Vader is, because Darth Vader is one of those characters that it doesn't matter how old you are. He is absolutely terrifying. And it was so cool to see how he just took her out, dispensed with your buddy and then like, no matter what you could do, like, I mean, you, you just, you had to run away from Darth Vader. I thought that, um, the, the folks over at, uh, respawn did a, a fantastic job characterizing Darth Vader. And really, I mean, even the, the newer movies didn't do like, I, I would say rogue one probably did a, did a really good job of, of, um, the cameo of Darth Vader. But other than that, like, like the prequels didn't do at all. Like, like what this game did. Did you, did you find yourself being gleefully like running away? Like, Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was running. Yeah, no, it was, that was, it was definitely awesome, you know, but they, they need to have some DLC with that game. Cause I feel like it ended. I, I enjoyed the progression of the entire game and I did feel like it was for the most part long enough, but I think I would have liked the game to be even longer, be, mostly because you befriend this uh, this extra person, this other girl, which I thought her facial expressions were the best in the game. Like the way they modeled her, I think looked uh, looked the best. But um, it's the girl with the um, uh, she has some of the, the, the that that green looking kind of magic. She cloaks the ship towards the end. Yeah, she's um, really cool. Yeah, I mean, she. I don't think we. I don't. I, I wish the game would have spent longer time either with her or we got introduced to her sooner. I mean, maybe the progression of the game would have allowed me to meet her. I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, maybe a second playthrough if you can go to that world earlier and meet her and then have her on the ship later on for a longer period of time. Maybe she would have played more of a role. Who knows? But um, anyhow, I'd be looking for some DLC, uh, even paid DLC if it had uh, more of her in it. Um, you know, there was a sequence in the ship that you're on where – uh, what's, uh, Groot, not, not Groot. Uh, what's, what's the guy's name? The little dude with four arms, uh, Gris. Wow, it's been a while since I played the game. Names. I forgot uh, um, what his name is. I, I know who you're talking about. The well, pilot. Yeah. The pilot. He was, so he says there's an animal that, that he hears something on the ship. Like he thinks something got in the ship and he can't find it. And when you're in the, when you, when you're behind the cockpit in the little resting area, you can hear a little squeak of a creature behind like some of the pipes. Every like few seconds, you can hear like a sort of thing, a little squeaky squeak of something small. I'm like, what is that? And I thought by now you would have discovered what that was and you still don't know what it is and it's still there. So you never saw it. No. Oh yeah. I saw it. It's like this little alien creature thing that like, it's like he, it's, it's like a stowaway from one of the planets. You know, I, that's really funny that you never saw it. I've been trying to find it and I figured it was, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I thought it would be, but I have no idea what it looks like. Uh, <laughs> I, he's just, no one, no one alludes to it after that one time. I'm like, dude, where is this thing? And I think he actually gets bigger because I can hear him more yeah. towards the end of the game. But anyway, I never, I haven't been able to see him. Yeah, I don't know. Man, like I said, it's been a while since I played that game, so I can't remember exactly how how you go about it. But I think that if you uncover certain like 
I don't know if they're side quests or whatever it was, but yeah, eventually the you do see it. Like you see it right there and you're like, oh, you're the one who's like making all the noise or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. I do think that it, um, I do agree with what you're talking about with regards to how you want there to be more DLC, just simply because my, if I had any kind of criticism about the game, it was that there, the game itself ended too quickly in the sense that I was starting to really bond with my crew. I think for the, for most of the game due to the fact that you are starting to get to know who your crewmates are and you're starting to collect more characters and that sort of thing. I think the, the game comes to an end prematurely in the sense that I was really starting to be curious as to the backstories of the characters and, and forge more of an understanding not to mention like, like if you're able to go into battle and perhaps even have them fight along with you, I thought that was a huge payoff in the last level where you had right. um, the, your fellow Jedi going with you and there'd be times when you would cross paths and you'd be able to fight together. And I liked how even with her, like there were moments where she was starting to lose control and she was starting to act more Sith. Like all of those things are very fascinating to me. And I think I, if, if I had to chalk it up to anything, it would just be that EA probably had a certain timeline that they wanted the game finished in. And honestly, I think I could totally be wrong, but I think Vince, who's the head over at Respawn, I think he was the one who was giving the pitch to EA back in like, I don't know, 2013, 2014, whenever it was. And I think only because of his stature within the gaming industry and the fact that they had been doing really well, even after they had become, they had formed uh, respawn entertainment and they had started making Titanfall, that sort of thing that EA was willing to humor him and say, okay, fine, we'll let you do a single player story game, but we're only going to allow you X amount of budget and that sort of thing. And then what ended up happening was that respawn nailed it. They hit it out of the park and did a fantastic job. And EA is, is left with going, oh, well, I get, you know, it, it kind of is reminiscent of last week's episode of Joy Gaz where we talk about single player only versus multiplayer only games. And I think that that's what ended up happening was that they were able to prove to EA that, look, this is a viable platform. You don't have to constantly go multiplayer only like with Star Wars Battlefront. You can, in fact, have these compelling single player story, star Wars titles. And I'm, it's my hope that they're able to have a green light for a sequel to Jedi fallen order. And not only that, but have perhaps like a budget that's double in size because I, for one would love to see this continue on and have more Canon be presented in such a way that they kind of touched upon in this game because I think a lot of what they did in this game is exactly what I look for in a Star Wars experience. Is that the same for you? Pretty much, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I, I it was my pick of our uh, of our of our podcasty game of the year, and like I said earlier, I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd love to spend more money on DLC, and um, I'd also, I mean, I'd love to play through it again, but I'd also love to play through it either. If it is the second time or the third time uh, when the new PlayStation comes out and um, I can see the the up in, in resolution and graphics and stuff, I mean, that's totally worth it. Even if it was the fourth playthrough, it would be totally worth it at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think that it was a love letter by Respawn Entertainment toward the, the Star Wars franchise. I think that in terms of the 
environments, um, most of the, of the environments were, I thought, breathtaking. I thought that the, the original characters they introduced were really cool. They fit within the Star Wars universe. And the, the different types of adventures that you found yourself on as it applied to the story progression, I thought was well-realized and something I could totally see existing as kind of the overall extended Star Wars universe. And I, I found things like you putting together your own lightsaber and choosing the color and all that stuff. I mean, it, it was a lot of fun to be able to go through that. And it just felt like it was more of your own. You know, you, you, you had more of a sense of ownership over that lightsaber. So I'm glad that you finished it. I'm glad that, that you had a good time. And I'm curious to see how you go on with the other games. For me, though, I actually have a, kind of a, a fun story. A friend of mine said that he had found a pinball machine. Um, it's not a, necessarily a store, but it's just it's kind of a pinball arcade. And this is a place that's located in Alameda. And it was really fun. We actually ended up going out for pizza one night after I got home from work. And... Uh, you know, instead of, of, of making the drive all the way up north, I, I ended up um, taking my friend's invitation up on, on going to get dinner. And so we, we, got, we grabbed pizza and he said, hey, there, I want to show you this place. It's a, it's a pinball machine place. So we go over there. This store, I keep calling it a store. We'll just call it an arcade. This arcade um, is multiple rooms filled with nothing but pinball machines that go all the way back to the 1950s. Wow. So it's it's a bit of like a vintage antique pinball arcade type of place, but it was a fantastic way to be able to unwind and hang out with a buddy while traffic died down on the freeway. And I was able to to check out games that were like for like 1956. They had my favorite pinball machine, which is Medieval Madness. I know I've talked about before on the show. And they had even pinball machines that you would recognize, like like the Terminator 2 pinball machine, you know, that was a big one that was back in the, the early 90s. And they had other pinball machines I hadn't even seen before. Like, there, apparently there was like a Star Wars Episode One Phantom Menace pinball machine that had holographics that were inside the, the casing as you're, you're playing along. And th there were a lot of different, like they had an Indiana Jones one I was playing that was a lot of fun. Oh, and the man. way they had this thing set up was that you essentially could pay like $5 and you could play for like an hour. And you could Worth play any then they were all there. Like, like you could pick anyone you want and, and you could play it as many times as you want within that time frame. I'm thinking, dude, I need to come back to this place. This is awesome. I mean, I'm even thinking about taking oh, right. my uh, camera or video camera just to be able to document the place because I think it's such a cool place. And even when we were leaving, there was a, a sign out front. Apparently they have these professional pinball players that come in. They have different types of competitions that, that are hosted there. And I also discovered that a lot of the pinball machines are on loan. It's almost like a, um, a nonprofit business of sorts where um, like, like you could see like, like there was a person's name at the top saying, you know, this, this machine is on loan from so-and-so and, -so and it, it was just, you could tell that that was a, uh, a love letter for all folks who love pinball. And what I thought was also really fun was the age groups in there ranged from like 10 year olds all the way to like 65 to 70 year olds. 
And, and it was a bustling place. So people were just in there having a good time playing all their favorite pinball machines. And uh, I, for one, I, I didn't even get a chance to play all the different ones that uh, caught my eye. I would say probably the, the main reason being that I, I spent most of my time on Medieval Madness since that is my favorite. I really do hope, Steve, I'm able to afford my very own Medieval Madness pinball game machine for my house. I don't know if that's ever going to become a reality or not because pinball machines are becoming uh, increasingly valuable because it's more of a vintage thing at these days. But uh, a man can dream, can't he? Well, I think you should definitely take your camera with you at some point and uh, maybe just talk to the owner and just say, hey, I'd love to you know, take some shots of the place and put it on YouTube or something. Would that be okay? I mean, um, you know, I, mean, I love your place and I think uh, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to make a, a bigger awareness for other folks. You might like to come here. I think he would say, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I think it's worth an ask, definitely. And the person there who was, who was operating the business was really nice and welcoming. And he was showing how they also have other types of like fun swag, vintage stuff there that you could buy, kind of like a little mini gift shop thing. But yeah, I, I, was, I was really happy to see that. It had a feeling of the good old days back when arcades were just the, the place to go if you want to play video games or whatever. And the pinball machines were there as well. So yeah, very nice. Well, slap your Pegasus on the ass and roll the dice. It's time for the topic of the day. dad like his beard was scratchy he had a goofy laugh i wish i'd met him i have something for you from your dad it's a wizard staff i wrote this spell so i could see for myself who my boys grew up to be this spell brings him back back like back to life he wanted to meet you more than anything holy tooth of zadar how did you i don't know it just started Dad, you are in your house. Oh, boy. We've only got 24 hours to bring back the rest of Dad. We're going on a quest. All quests start with the Manticore, the fearless adventurer. You mean Corey? She's over there. Quick, somebody help me. These Griffin Nuggets were supposed to go out minutes ago. That's the Manticore? are in trouble big time. Get in the vehicle. I'm escorting you home. I'm giving you to the count of three. Uh, okay. Wait, what are you doing? I don't know. Oh, I'm looking for my sons. Oh, they went on a quest. But don't worry. I told them about the map. I told them about the gym. I told them about the curse. <gasps> I forgot to tell them about the curse. The what? <gasps> Your boys are in grave danger. 
We're not going to see you, Dad. You can do this. I believe in you. My gut knows where to go, don't you, boy? Yes, you do. <laughs> I'm on my way, boys. Just stay out of trouble. Topic of the day is the Disney Pixar movie Onward, which just released this past weekend. We're going to give our high-level spoiler-free impressions of the film before we take the spoiler elevator down to the spoiler cast version of this episode. Steve, what did you think of the film? Well, you know, I thought, I think Pixar is definitely back with this one. Not, not not to say that they've ever been gone, but, you know, like a couple of the movies they released, uh, you know, Incredibles, t- um, what was it, Incredibles 2, as well as, uh, you know, Toy Story 4. I wasn't, you know, I they were okay, but I wasn't like that really that much fond of them. But I really liked this one, and it really reminded me of Coco quite a bit, where the story is rich. It is just rich. I... And I watched the trailer a couple of times, uh, you know, after I, I saw the movie and uh, a couple of times more today. And the story is absolutely fantastic. It's very original and it's it, the story is full of, of surprises. I didn't know what to expect, really. And I would I mean, I would say that this is probably one of Pixar's more adult movies. Like, I don't, I'm interesting to see what your, uh, adulta thought of it because I thought, you you know, I would have to be at least like 16 because the kids, the guy is, you know, learning to drive a little bit and he's in high school. And so I would think that, you know, already that's the age group that they're identifying with. And then going forward, (laughs) you know, I, I just think that this was not very much a kid's movie. That's not a criticism. That's actually a good thing, uh, for me anyway, but at the same time, I w- it's not a movie that I, I care to watch a lot. You know, I I can watch Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 a lot. I could watch and have watched Finding Nemo a ton of times. I could watch Ratatouille a ton of times. I just don't see, I, I don't, just don't think I could see this one, uh, I, you know, just throw it in the machine and give it a, give it a whirl. I don't, I don't think I could do, do that. Um, however... It does play on your heartstrings quite a bit uh, with the story. Like I keep going back to the story. I did think that they, if they had a little more time, I think they could maybe polish the characters a little bit. Um, but by and large, everybody should definitely go watch this film uh, in the theater. You know, I, that's just my opinion. Everyone should go see it in the theater. And if you miss it in the theater, you definitely need to either buy buy it on disc or, or give it a rent because, uh, I thought Chris Pratt and Tom Holland were the best. Uh, I, I, no one else could have fit Chris Pratt's part. I mean, I thought he did absolutely fantastic. Tom Holland, I think he did good too. I thought that in in the beginning I was thinking, you know what, I'm just going to hear Spider-Man's voice throughout the whole movie. Now I'm going to think Spider-Man and I didn't. So I thought Tom Holland did a fantastic part too. So, um, but anyhow, I, I I loved it. Um, they had me in tears in the first fifteen minutes, and then they had me in tears and at the end of it. So, <laughs> but um, anyhow, I've had a little bit of time to digest it, Russ. You actually just saw the movie. You're I probably did. in new movie watching glow by now. And so, l- let me ask you: How was it with 
uh, taking the fam bam to see it. And what did they think? What did you think? And uh, what was the the consensus? So we actually ended up getting to the theater a little bit late. And it's my fault. I was making breakfast for the family. I made some delicious scrambled eggs and toast. And uh, we ended up leaving about, I would say, 10 minutes to yeah, 10 to 15 minutes later than I would have liked. And so we ended up missing like the first like 10 minutes of the movie. So uh, not, not a huge issue, but it was something where I was trying to find my bearings with kind of like, okay, what, what's, what's happening? <laughs> but it was interesting that, that you mentioned about the, like what my daughter would think, because I think that she did like it, but I, I do know that there were actually a few times when she was actually pretty scared that she was burying her face into mommy's arm. Um, and then I won't get into the scenes that I want to spoil or anything, but I think overall that, that she liked it quite a bit. I agree. I think that it was a lot of fun having Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as the, the two main characters. I think it speaks highly of the fact that they can go beyond just what they do in the Marvel cinematic universe. I found myself though, thinking about Jack black because I think that Jack Black could have very easily done the character that Chris Pratt played. And you have to forgive me because I, I don't Barley or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I can't remember the character's names off the top of my head. Uh, my head, my head. And <laughs> do you, do you remember the, the two main character names? Oh, I, I just kept remembering uh, them calling their dad over and over again. I'm like, wait, what, what are their names? Yeah, it was, uh, it's uh, nuts. It's Barley and it's, um, oh, what's the, other, what's Tom Holland's name? Um, Ian. <laughs> Ian. Okay. Yeah. That's so funny. That, okay. I remember, I remember Ian's name being said, but Barley, I didn't remember that at all. I don't, I must, uh, yeah, I don't think his name gets uttered all that much in, throughout the film. Either that or me, I just didn't pick it up. I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah, I think that, that Jack Black would have been, um, a great addition to this film, whether he was the main character of Barley or if he was another character entirely in the film somewhere, this movie was screaming Jack Black to me in terms of the opportunity that Jack could have brought in terms of like just his infectious personality and how he's, I mean, he's into this stuff. Like this whole fantasy realm thing, he would have had a field day being one of the characters. So he would have, and, and yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, please. I was going to say, I mean, um, I was going to just interject real quick. I mean, this is one of the, of the very few Pixar movies that I really definitely do want a sequel. And I'm hoping, yeah, and that's, that that's a perfect idea to have Jack Black be uh, a new main role. If there was a sequel. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, that it is begging for it. Having said that, though, I don't want to take anything away from Chris Pratt just because I think that Chris did an excellent job as Barley. Another observation I had is I totally saw you and I in those characters. <laughs> like, I totally saw myself as the, as the Chris Pratt Barley character and you as the Ian character, just in terms of, like, how we like to banter with each other and, and our, our kind of, like, average daily interactions and stuff. Like, I don't know. There, there's just a lot there that I found myself smiling in the movie chair. Like if we were in the theater together, seeing this movie, I would have been like, dude, this is totally us. <laughs> but anyway, don't know how you feel about that, Steve. 
I let's see what else did I think about this? I did think that it probably in in my so I go back and forth with this. Uh, on the one hand, I thought it was very fresh to have the approach that they did where it was brothers. You know, you have brothers in a film and they're on a quest to be able to um, see their dad for the last time kind of thing. I thought that was a, a nice change up from what we've been seeing. If you recall, the last Disney film that came out was the, was the, the Frozen 2 movie and that was based on two sisters, which is great. But we really haven't had any kind of brother-oriented film from Disney and Pixar, at least none that come to mind, really. We have had, like, different buddy films that have had, like, say, um, like the two male characters, like Woody and Buzz, that sort of thing. But I do think that this film was not on the epic level of storytelling that other Pixar movies have been in the past, not to say that I didn't enjoy the movie at all, or that there were even some tear jerker moments because there were, there were a couple in there that definitely got me all misty eyed. And my, my wife actually was just a mess at the end of the movie. Like we actually, I had to go get more napkins because she just couldn't stop crying. <laughs> so there is a lot of that to be had with it, but, um, yeah, like for me, it, it was it, the movie almost had kind of a blending between a DreamWorks animated film and a Pixar film. So it, it was a bit um, of a reaction that, that I keyed upon and I'm, I'm still processing through it. But overall, it's it's a fun movie. I think that if you've got little ones or whatever, or even yourself and you want to go check out a, an animated feature film, you should definitely go check it out. And with that said, Steve... Why don't we go ahead and magically make our way into the transport device known as the spoiler elevator. And you know, Steve, I have a question <clears throat> for you. Uh, yes, my wizard staff is bigger than yours. Well, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you if you could be any fantastical creature, which would you choose? Oh, I, um, I would have to either be the, uh, maybe a Pegasus, uh, or a Griffin, maybe, um, possibly even a Gargoyle, Russ, I don't know, G a good Gargoyle, gar gar a good Garden gargoyle. Goyle, um, <laughs> a Lawn Gnome, wait, no, because <laughs> you could be an elf, you could what about be you? an orc, mm. a goblin, ah, Mm, no, no, not me. Yeah. Maybe you. What, what are you? Are you thinking of? You see yourself as a as a Shreky kind of orc, Russ? Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what I would be, Steve. I, I I'm going through the different things of, I guess, different classifications, different categories. You know, you have your dwarves, you have your elves, you have your giants, your wizards. I'm not exactly sure. Your knights, your your paladins. And then, of course, there comes the whole question of hybrids. You know, what, what if I wanted to be like, I don't know, an elf slash, I don't know, orc or something? I don't know. There's just different types of creatures. Can't, am I allowed to do that? I have no idea. Hey, sure thing, Russ. You know what? It's your imagination. Who's to tell you what you can and can't do? 
I think I'd probably be a wizard. That's probably what I want to be, Steve. A wizard. Just because I can do cool light shows. And with that said, we have reached our spoiler floor. We are going to be going into the spoiler version of this film, so if you haven't seen it, you might want to pause this. Otherwise, you just resume us. Uh, so in the plot, please, Steve, can you give us a lowdown as to what went on? Okay, so you basically have this family. Uh, actually, no, let me stop there. So, okay, hold on. Start over. So the story takes place. It's in this magical land where everybody helped each other out. Where You know, those who had magic help each other out for those who didn't, like, you know, starting fires or helping, you know, people cross bridges, levitating, whatever. So a, a world of you know, non-war but magic. But as time moves on, inventions take place, and people said, hey, we invented all this good stuff so that you don't have to use magic. And so everyone kind of forgot. Fast forward to modern times. Two brothers growing up. Dad passed away a long time ago. And um, on this, on Ian's first birthday, uh, he is given a gift from his father. Uh, and basically, they are able to spend 24 hours <laughs> with dear old dad. The only thing is that the only way to bring it back is with magic, which has been forgotten. And so they botch it a little bit and they only bring half of him back, which is his legs. And they spend the rest of the movie trying to find this gym, which will basically complete the spell and they can spend time with dad. And uh, along the way, uh, they get to know each other a little better and they get into some trouble and it's a wonderful movie. There you go. There are some things that I thought were um, important to key on. One of which is the animation quality of the father's legs and feet. I do think I wanted to ask you this, Steve, when you were watching the film, when the father was, you know, obviously his, his only means of being able to tell where his sons are, are through touch. And um, I found myself uh, getting the heartstrings pulled like when he would kind of nuzzle up his foot up against one of his son's feet. And it was done in such a way that it was heartfelt, endearing, and very much a, a uh, parental love for their children type of thing, despite the fact that it was all acted and performed through a foot. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was going to ask you about that, too, because uh, some people have found it a bit controversial that all you're seeing is his uh, lower half, his, his pants and feet, uh, which can be, yeah, okay, it's his pants and feet, which is a bit awkward, but at the same time, it really makes for uh, the most of nonverbal communication. If you, if you don't have a head talking to you, uh, or, you know, what, what would it be if it was the other half, like walking around just a torso, arms, legs, and a head? That'd be weird, too. Um, so it really forced well, um, and, uh, well, the norm. Let, the let norm me stop you really, really quick there, Steve. Let me stop, let me, let me, let me stop you right there, Steve. Uh, I thought it was an interesting choice, really. when Because um, you can go back and forth. On the one hand, I would be fine if they had the upper half. And like he wasn't able to get around because he didn't have his lower half. So then you could have all kinds of gags and stuff going that way. But I'm glad that they went with the legs and feet just because as a, as a movie going viewer, suddenly I'm placing my own father in the, the top half of that, even if it's not directly related to 
the movie or the story or anything like that. Like having that that kind of uh, fill in the blank with your own father, if you will. I think that that really um, helped propel more of the emotional value with that character. But please continue, Steve. Right. So, um, actually, I forgot where I was going with that thought since I was broadsided. Oh, bro-sided. Sorry. Um, bro-sided. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, but I, I really did think that was cool because um, it made the the nonverbal of, okay, you know, what, what would dad recognize? What, did, what mannerisms did he do before that we recognize as being him. And so like with Barley, uh, he would do the dot, 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 sort of thing. And even though it was just pants and there was no physical, you know, torso and top half, um, it was their, their father. And he, that was a form of communication of, Hey, this is me. And I know this is you and you recognize me as your son. And I recognize you as my father because of this little small, you know, little tap beat that we did with our, our feet. Um, and, Either way, it was still very special just with the idea of, hey, our father or even, I mean, it could be extended to any kind of loved one, but our father, um, who I've never met, uh, has been gone. And because he wanted to see how his boys turned out and spend a day with them, he had this spell, but the spell obviously got botched. <laughs> and so all you have is this and you're trying to you know, you're spend as much time with this person until you never, ever see them ever again. And it almost... It almost leads to, you know, if, even if I have this, uh, you know, half of this person with me, I would still rather choose that, uh, not even be able to have a, a full on verbal com- conversation with that, with the person. I'd still rather have that than absolutely nothing at all, even for, if it was for 24 hours. So um, anyhow, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of bridging off to what you said, I mean, it's kind of the same thing where it makes your imagination kind of go on of, okay, if that's all you had, how would you, how would you spend your time? How would you communicate? Uh, you know, would you, would it be okay? Would it be weird? You know, what would it be? So anyhow, I thought it was a, yeah, it was kind of a controversial, but at the same time, I thought it was kind of the perfect way to, to describe that. Um, if you had magic, if you were to bring this person back for a day, what would you do? Yeah. Yeah. And it does pose that question. If, if you had some sort of loved one who had passed on, what would you say to that person? What would you do with that person if they came back for one day? And I think that that is a question that a lot of us ask ourselves, um, even if we don't have someone who's lost like that yet. But I do think it's interesting to think about how that would play out. And, I, and it's interesting too, because everybody has kind of a different response to that question. I remember that we had similar questions asked back in high school and the responses from everybody pretty much differed. One of the other things I thought was, was uh, worth talking about was how the world itself was set up in such a way where you had these different beasts and creatures that are predominantly from fantasy and dungeons and dragons and, how like, like what, to your point, what you were talking about, um, they have essentially kind of forgotten a lot of like how magic is used or, or, or almost like the origins of where they all came from because they kind of got caught up in the daily minutia of everyday life. So it was almost a blending of 
real world with going to jobs and, and you know, you have a school to go to and you have your community and that sort of thing. But with these characters that normally you, you would not associate with that sort of thing. And I think it plays nicely into, especially with, with fans of like the card game, magic, the gathering, or if you're a D and D fan, Honestly, I think of our friends over at the Bombarded, com- uh, excuse me, the, the Bombarded podcast. This is a film that that I think they would absolutely adore. In fact, I should probably text them after this recording and see if they've seen it, and if so, what what did they think? Because I could see the personification of the characters that they play on their podcast being in existence in this world, and. It was fun in that regard. I, I'm trying my best to, to describe this. And I have, as well as you, friends who really love kind of the, the role-playing Dungeons and Dragons kind of thing. And it's it's fun because in the in this movie, the characters that were there, it's almost as if those characters are how I see my friends who are into that sort of thing. Like, like if I go to work and I see colleagues who are into it and stuff, it's almost like that's like how they would look. Like if they could somehow blend their interests and hobbies of D and D and that sort of thing with like their everyday life. I think it's, it's almost like, like that's kind of the motif that they were going for. So I don't know if you saw that as well or not. No, yeah, I definitely did. Um, and I thought it was a great storytelling where uh, the brothers into D and D. He's obviously a geek of the of the the partnership there, and uh, you know, yeah, and it makes sense for him to say like, "Oh, yeah, of course it's just a game," but I mean, it's a game based on history because in their world, it basically is. You know, not <laughs> I mean, like in our world, it'd be like, "What are you talking about?" You know, but because they live in the mystical world, who has moved on to basically our world with technology and planes and you know phones and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense for him to be like, okay, yo, the curse and the dragons and the, and the and these mystical creatures and spells. And <laughs> just, I mean, it makes sense, but it's awesome storytelling. Yeah. I actually wanted them to dive deeper into it. And I wonder if it was just because they, it's a family film. So they weren't able to, to go as far as the, as um, I would have liked them to personally, because I love the idea that, they're trying to, to, to get the rest of their dad to appear. And so that acts as a vehicle for being able to go through the, this, this huge quest that they are on. And I love the eighties van. I think of that it's almost oh, kind of yeah. like a seventies, eighties style van, I which is, I think it's actually more seventies. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably more seventies and it, it's, it acts as almost like a, a metaphorical homage to when D and D got started because D and D, I believe got its origins in the seventies. And of course that was when you had a lot of the pen and paper, a lot of the, the, the board games and that sort of thing come to fruition. And the, the van itself was such an iconic thing for that time period of like, kind of like the late seventies, early eighties. And I thought it, it was a, it was a wonderful match. Um, I even, I, I can remember seeing vans that would have like those paint jobs on the sides, kind of like an onward where yeah. like you had, I mean, maybe yeah. not necessarily like a, like a Pegasus on the side, but like, it was totally like some kind of, you know, fantasy oriented, uh, paint job on the sides of those things. And yeah, I thought that, that was a lot of fun. 
And I, and I did like the different things that they came to. And it reminded me of some of the video game adventures that we had been on uh, with RPGs and stuff. And I, uh, I liked how Ian was able to tap into his wizard abilities and be able to do things like, like have an invisible bridge. And um, I, I liked other things too, like, like how uh, Barley like ended up getting shrunk down. I, I thought that was a lot of fun with him uh, dealing with the pixies and stuff. And again, I think that all of those things are, are wonderful throughout the film. I just wanted to see more. I really wanted to be able right. to, to, to see perhaps even a kind of a, a dungeon crawler portion of the film, because this is clearly part of the world that they exist in. But again, I think that they probably had to be mindful of, you know, the little ones watching, they didn't want to probably scare him too badly or anything like that. But you know, like, like to your point too, if they end up doing a sequel, I would love it if they were to dive deeper into more of that, because I do think that, that it, it's a, a rich world um, with tons of opportunities, not only to like have funny jokes and that sort of thing that are known for Pixar movies, but also to just being able to explore more of how this whole thing could, could coexist together with like the real world versus the fantasy world. Yeah. I might just be like a, a Lord of the Rings type thing where uh, you, you, you like the, t the, the two towers a bit better than I do, but I like fellowship more because to me laying the groundwork is, is, is extremely important and vital to the rest of the story. And I can kind of see that's what they did here, where they kind of wanted to maybe test the market to see, okay, you know, people understand that we're Pixar and we make kids movies, but kids movies that adults could also relate to. And so we're going to put this out with a safety net seeing what crowd actually responds the most to it. And depending on what crowd responds most would be, you know, possibly a result to a sequel or, you know, we'll just keep it here. Or if we do a sequel, we'll do a sequel, but for the audience that appreciated it the most. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, I mean, there's a lot of area to explore. They just, they just went on their, like on the, on the highway for a little bit. You know I mean? They didn't hardly went on, they went on a quest, but not very far. Uh, so they have a lot further to explore and they could, you know, talk with, you know, maybe, maybe Jack Black could be like an uncle who, um, you know, who also is way into wizardry or something, you know, even more so than Barley, you know, or uh, just other characters, other spells, or, you know, whatever. I think that that, it, that leaves a, a wide, a big wide door open for, for a sequel. Yeah. And there are other actors too that I think would be shoe-ins for having, whether they're cameos or just being supportive characters or what have you. But yeah, I, I do think that they left a ton of opportunity open the, where if they were to come back and revisit the world, there's a ton of it that hasn't been explored yet. One of the other things I thought was fun was the idea of how they, they did kind of a flip flopping with the two brothers. And I appreciated actually how it wasn't just about Ian meeting his dad. I liked how there were certain sensibilities with regards to his older brother, as well as Ian. And even at the end, when, when his dad is able to fully materialize just for that brief amount of time, I really liked the decision to actually not have Ian be there 
um, to be able to see his father and instead have Barley be the one who is face to face with, with their dad. And again, I think it helps to reinforce us kind of almost injecting our own father into that father figure. And also too, it helps to, to maintain the mystique of the father because the entire time we're wondering, you know, what is the, the what, what does his father look like? What does uh, his father act like? What is, what is the sound of his father's voice? How will his father respond to seeing Ian? What kind of words of wisdom will he have for Ian? That sort of thing. And so I, I really thought that that was a bit of movie magic there at the end where like you're totally rooting for Ian. You want Ian to be able to, to have that moment with his father, but he ends up only being able to, to kind of glimpse through the rubble that has trapped him as the father is talking to Barley. And especially like after he disappears and he's able to, to talk to his brother, um, I found myself resonating with that because, you know, when I think of like you and I, for instance, we have um, a very unique relationship in the sense that we're brothers as well. We're siblings and we're able to talk about life in a way that I think is exclusive to how siblings are. It's no different than like if you have two sisters or you have a sister and a brother or whatever it is, it's, it's just that sibling thing. And I appreciated how, at the end there, when he was conveying what their father had told Barley, I loved how Barley was talking to Ian about it and how there was an understanding between the brothers in terms of what was said and and what was going on and how there was also this realization that Ian had where their father lives on in the two of them. And so even though he wasn't able to do certain things on his list, he realized he was able to actually still go through with those things with his brother. And I think that that was a a pretty, it was a pretty cool reflective moment. What'd you think? Yeah. Uh, that, that part definitely had me, uh, (laughs) in tears. I will say when he's trying, when he's standing on his tippy toes, trying to, you know, peek out through the little opening of the rocks and see and hopefully hear his dad's voice and see what his dad looks like. And you just, you just eavesdrop on that whole entire conversation. Um, and he's, and he's straining to see, I was like, I was losing it. And so anyhow, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really thought, um, I mean, I thought of you and I, but I also thought of, uh, our grandmother because she was also hooked up to tubes and I was younger than you. And so you have more of a memory of her than I do. And even though I was, I'm old enough to remember her and, and interacting with her, I don't remember having a full on conversation because, um, as you know, uh, she was taken by, um, MS, multiple sclerosis, sclerosis, excuse me. And, and so she was hooked up to tubes and that, that's, of course, is a disease that starts paralyzing your body and your organs more and more and more. And she couldn't hardly even breathe on her own and um, had to be, uh, you know, plugged into a machine to kind of get the, the the moisture out of her lungs so that she could even breathe. And I remember as a kid, I, I was I didn't know what to really think of that. I felt exactly like Barley did. And sometimes I would just I would run out of the room because I didn't understand it. And I just thought it all sounded kind of gross at that point. So I, I never had that relationship and I've always wanted that relationship. And I thought, okay, well, what if, 
uh, I could spend a day with her. I could spend 24 hours to have a full on conversation, no disease, everyone's healthy. Um, and she could ask, you know, how, you know, how's your life been? And we, let's have a conversation. If I could just spend 24 hours, that would mean the absolute world to me. And I, you know, and right now I don't have that and I can't have that. Um, so I really put myself, I could really see that happening. I could, I could put myself in both Ian's shoes and Barley's shoes and, uh, understand, you know, where, where they were both coming from. And because like maybe you were older and you, you had more experiences with her, had that happened to us, maybe it would be a flip-flop where you would put me, uh, first to have that conversation with her instead of, you know, how it happened in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, had the same thing, uh, when that got mentioned about, their dad being like hooked up with tubes and stuff. My mind instantly shot to grandmother about that. So it's interesting that you had the same, I mean, it make, makes perfect sense now that we're talking about it, but, um, and it's true. Like when you're a kid and you don't understand everything, you, you have a limited capacity of understanding what the, what's going on with any given person, especially folks who are, um, having to go through something like that and they're hooked up to machines, whether it's to be able to breathe or to be able to eat or whatever it is, that can be a scary thing. And so I, yeah, I, I uh, had the same type of connection there. Were there any other scenes that stood out to you in the film? Oh man, there were a ton of scenes. Um, I mean, I, I thought the whole, this is how you cast a spell. You can't just say the words, but it, it actually has to come from, your heart's fire <laughs> in a sense. Uh, I thought that was really cool because not everybody could cast a spell. You have to have confidence um, in it and about a confidence mixed with passion um, and emotion. And so not everybody could be a wizard. Not everybody could cast the spell. And that's why Ian just couldn't do it and Barley couldn't do it in the beginning. And uh, that's why he was having a hard time with some of the other spells. And, not only that, but some of the spells were, were difficult to maintain and control. And not, you know, not everybody can do it. It takes learning and it takes development, both as as a person, I guess, as your, in your character. Um, and so um, I really appreciated, like, towards the end where, um, I mean, w- they've gone on this 24-hour journey and, you know, almost gotten killed. <laughs> and figuring out who you are and learning life lessons and the most powerful spell in the book he finally casts, which was like this lightning bolt. Uh, and it hits the, uh, that, the dragon in, in the core, which that dragon was, oh my gosh, that dragon was total Pixar magic. I mean, the whole thing, you know, being put together with some of the rubble and looking dangerous and the whole, the, the face of the dragon was the face of that cartoon dragon <laughs> on the billboard. Oh yeah. I was busted up. I was about to get, I was in stitches. And then did you hear when the dragon roared, how it kind of sounded like a school bell? <laughs> no, <laughs> I missed that. Because of that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard it. Maybe it was just me. Maybe it was my mind playing tricks on me. I'm going to go. I mean, I definitely want to pick it up when it comes out. So I'll definitely give it another, another world. But, um, anyhow, I could hear, it sounded to me like there was a, a mix of a school bell when the dragon roared. Anyhow, so that whole thing. And then, um, you know, when he is also spell casting and, 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 uh, he's making his dad come back, he's like, I need help. I need help. And Barley, who is a lot bigger, just stood behind his brother to support him so that he could hold on to that wizard staff and complete the spell. I thought that was really cool. Um, I, I love the scene when he's, he's, uh, they're on the highway and I mean, anybody who can relate to this, who's 
15 or 16 and learning to drive. Uh, merging is difficult, especially when you're on the highway and all these cars are blowing past you going, you know, 60 miles an hour. And you're just, <laughs> this is your first time. And he's like, I can't merge it. And he's like, how do I do it? He's like, you're just going to do it. It's never safe or whatever he says. And he's yelling at him and in his little form. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. With all the, and the, and the pixies, like the pixies, <laughs> like the hell's angels. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That was hilarious. So many good ideas in his movie. Yeah, the Pixies were, were actually really funny. I, the animations of their facial expressions, man, they like nailed the the facial animations for uh, for those different Pixies for sure. I, I was, it didn't matter if it was like a, a female or male Pixie that was doing their thing. I, I love the one Pixie dude had the facial hair and he just, every time he had like some kind of like huge like bear roar or whatever, it just looked so funny because he was always so like dinky, you know, but. Yeah, I and actually one of, one of my favorite moments too was when Barley was actually shrunk down. I there's something about having the the teeny tiny voices that I just find hilarious. Well, let's go ahead and give our conclusions of the film along with our rating. Steve, go ahead. <clears throat> I would have to say that this is definitely a step up for for Pixar, um, but I will say that I, I'm I'm not sure where Pixar is going because as I watched Coco, uh, I felt the story was very rich and I loved the story, but I didn't really find it funny um, as funny as I saw some other Pixar movies like Ratatouille or Toy Story or uh, Finding Nemo. Um, and but Pixar is going in this direction more of still keeping the the the, the, the storytelling at an A plus. But the humor has definitely taken a step back. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to watch Pixar movies from here on out and, I, and know that they're going to play on my emotions or going to, I'm going to watch a Pixar movie that's going to be very, very funny. Either way, it's going to be a good story. Um, where I felt the movie kind of fell short a little bit was that um, I, I kind of felt that it needed to be a little bit longer with the, the characters fleshed out. Uh, I mean, Ian, even though I liked him and I liked Barley, uh, I felt that there was something missing where either... They, they misplayed Ian as only being a loner in high school and, and, and just having a rough time throughout his whole life to make friends. And I kind of looked at him like, you have no friends? Like even, like I was a really shy guy in school and even I made friends. I mean, Ian, like there's nothing wrong with him at all. He's not awkward. He's, you know, he's not a weirdo. He's, he's just a regular kid who's shy and, and he's made no friends. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. Um, but I, I think there was also a moment where I think there should have been something more with Ian and Barley where both characters are very strong, but it seemed like Ian saw Barley as just this roundabout, you know, uh, careless, not, not careless. Yeah. I guess careless kind of person who just went with the, 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 with what his gut told him and wasn't afraid of anything. But I think there was still something that Barley could learn from Ian that wasn't there because all, all that was really shown, at least the, all that I picked up, was that Ian was learning from Barley, but Barley wasn't really learning from Ian. Uh, so I definitely wanted something more with, with that. And I thought the whole thing with uh, Mom's boyfriend was kind of a waste. He was just there for kind of comic relief, but it was kind of a waste. You know what I mean? I think they, they had a real missed opportunity where they could have fleshed him out more. And he, all he was just there was like, oh, that's just Mom's boyfriend and whatever. Like, you know, I, he was just a, a figure. Other than that... The story is absolutely, no pun intended, but magical. And I 
adored the story and um, I will definitely pick it up. I hope they, they do make a sequel. This is one of the movies that I, I, I'm definitely wanting a sequel for Pixar to do. Um, but I would have to say I would give the movie a four star. Four stars, he says. Well, I'm trying to put my thoughts together here. I think that it was a fun direction for Pixar to be able to take into the world of fantasy itself. I think that fantasy, if done right, can be a wonderful place. We've seen this done with The Princess Bride. We've seen this done with Lord of the Rings trilogy. Even some of the older 80s classics like The NeverEnding Story. I know you watched that recently. But I do think that when it comes to what Pixar is going to be doing moving forward, I think I've always really admired Pixar for their ability to be able to to take chances on different types of stories. And maybe even the word story is wrong. Perhaps it is more of the... um, the worlds that they choose to tell their stories in because their stories are always revolving around family and friends. That that has been kind of Pixar's MO and it's all about relationship building. In this case, you have a family who lost their husband and father early on and they've been able to, to make do, but there is a sense of loss and they decided to, to tell this story through the, the, the kind of the, the sheen or the skin of kind of the fantasy D&D world. And I think that that was a lot of fun. I think that in terms of being able to tell a father-son's story, I don't think we've really had something like this since Finding Nemo where you've had kind of a father-son dynamic, but that was with a father that was actually still alive. They lost their mother in that case. And the the dynamic of having brothers, it's not just one son, but having the siblings, I think that that was a refreshing take that they've had. Not to say that that all of their other films are not refreshing or fresh, because they all are. They, I think that that is a staple of what makes Pixar terrific. I do think, though, that there is a bit of, of the film, like I said, that seemed to almost kind of have a bridging between DreamWorks versus Pixar. And DreamWorks makes their own types of, of quality films, but in my opinion, they've never hit the level that Pixar hits. Pixar, uh, I've always maintained, has um, a level unto itself when it comes to, to their storytelling. And I think it was on full display here where you have various subtle things like what I mentioned, like, you know, taking on the, the, the father as um, a pair of legs and feet, but still being able to show the, the love and tenderness and kindness and um, familiarity through the performance of the legs and feet. I think that was a, a wonderful opportunity for the animators to be able to showcase things that perhaps, we don't really think about too often, but but we find ourselves doing on almost like a daily basis with our loved ones. And when it comes to the sibling relationship, I really enjoyed how it wasn't like a, a type of sibling relationship where there was a one-upmanship or a jealousy thing or whatever. It, it really was these, these two brothers who did care for each other and were supportive of, of each other and taking risks and that sort of thing. And then there were certain failures that, that were going on, but 
it, it was a it was a very real and human type of experience. And I, I, I found myself appreciating that. I do wish that there was a bit more in terms of embracing the world that they were in. I think that Pixar got a little caught up in the the idea of blending real world with fantasy world. And I think while some of the um, the jokes and some of the, the levity and that sort of thing, it, it was fun to be able to go back and forth with that. I found myself wanting to kind of go deeper more into the, the fantasy side of things since it didn't take long at all to establish that, oh, it's kind of this, this cross-pollination of the two. I would absolutely love to be able to see more from this. I do think that that the the types of scenarios that, that the brothers found themselves in were a lot of fun. I do think that it would be cool to be able to maybe take off the uh, the bowling bumpers or the water wings, if you will, um, take them off and 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 have the brothers find themselves a bit more on the deep end of the pool, if you know what I mean, because I think there would be more of a payoff or maybe there just needs to be another standalone film that has nothing to do with onward, but perhaps is a 3d animated feature film and is unapologetically within this fantasy realm, because I think it could be a lot of fun to be able to see what kind of adventures and quests the various characters find themselves in. I also think too, that watching a movie like this, it piques my curiosity and interest in wanting to, to try and play like magic, the gathering, the card game, or being able to like get on with like some kind of D and D board game thing. Not that I would have any clue what was going on or whatever, but I picked up on some of the, the basic principles of how you would choose a character and you would have fun with just using your imagination for this sort of thing. And so I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll hit up some friends of mine who I know um, do this as, as a hobby and they, they enjoy doing it. They're, they're probably, if they're listening to this, they're probably rejoicing. It's like the time has finally come. Yes. So, or maybe they're cursing it. Who knows? But I would say when it comes to a film like this, I would give it three stars. I think that that's why I'm going to give onward is three stars for me. So three for me, four from Steve average goes out. And it's 3.5 stars. Definitely a recommended, uh, recommended film. And that is about all the time that we have. This wraps up the episode of joy guys. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M. And consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. 